Greetings and salutations. This is Dr. Sutton, a professor of Catholic theology at St. John's University in New York City, giving you the cat's pajamas of podcasts, where I speak about the best of Christian theology, culture, and love. The second episode is on uh, the important topic of expectancy. I gave this presentation on January 3rd, 2015. My presentation was during the retreat of the Fraternity of St. Maximilian Kolbe. In this, you will learn the deepest meanings of the scripture verse of Romans 8.28. We know that in everything, God works for good with those that love him who are called according to his purpose. Enjoy. So let us uh, begin by uh, praying together in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, we surrender all to you. These two days of retreat for the fraternity, both those here and those around the states, we surrender everything. We ask that you show up, that you manifest your glory and manifest your purpose and your plan for these two days. We know you will arrive. We know you will heal. We know you will encourage. We know you will love. And we open our hearts to you these two days to move as you so desire. And we pray this through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I almost titled uh, this talk, uh, One Big Yes, and that's the idea of expectancy. Um, so this is the project that I have for our, our time together, is to memorize one verse of Scripture. So we're going to memorize Romans 8.28. Uh, if you know anything of Romans, it's a very complicated <laughs> letter and has caused a lot of problems throughout the church and how you interpret it. Uh, but this, this one is, is solid and good, and we can all understand it if we take it individually. So this is the verse we're going to memorize uh, together in this short time. It's eight, Romans 8.28. It says this, We know that in everything God works for good, with those who love him, who are called according to his purposes. So let me say that again. We know that in everything, God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So I'm going to divide up the talk with each of these phrases, and we're going to learn each of these phrases and, and sink them in. And um, There'll be an exam at the end to see if you memorized it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> he likes to memorizing. Yeah. Yes, he he, he likes lists. I, I've got a, I've got ten points at the end. So, <laughs> uh, okay. So this is um, a, a verse of expectancy. This is a verse of expectancy. We know that God works for good in everything. Uh, it also is tied to uh, Proverbs uh, nineteen twenty one. Uh, wonderful verse, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Mm -hmm. Have you had any plans that didn't go 
your way this year? <laughs> Did you have any disappointments in your life? Have you had ideas about what you wanted, what you expected, and they didn't go according to your purpose? They went according to somebody else's purpose, God's purpose? Uh, I often remember one uh, day I, I thought was going to be the day I determined uh, my future. Uh, I had just graduated from college. I started a job that I really hated. And so I was... <laughs> and so I went in that day to quit. To quit because I was going to go become a theologian. I was going to start graduate school and I was going to design my life according to what I wanted. And so I went in that day and uh, both of my bosses gave me a lot of uh, uh, pressure to not quit. How can you do this at this time? It's like, no, this is it. I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I'll help you with the transition. I've got some ideas of who could be hired in my place. I'm done. Oh, I felt good. I had a whole plan for that day and uh, that uh, was the start of it. And so then uh, I was so excited to uh, call my girlfriend at that time, not Elizabeth, to call my girlfriend at that time. Great time to back. Told her the news, and she said, you know what, Matt? I have to tell you something. I quit. And so she left me. <laughs> she had different plans for my life, uh, and they didn't include me quitting. Uh, and so I was now unemployed and unloved <laughs> in one day. And uh, uh, I became very angry at God. I did. And uh, went to confession about it. And uh, the priest, holy priest, uh, mystic priest, uh, said to me, uh, you're rebelling against God. Oh, I was so upset uh, because it was God's fault. And really it was my fault my rebellion, and God was teaching me uh, that he was saying no. Uh, and that's okay, but it was hard to take. So my plans uh, fell to uh, ruin, but God's plans have given something so much greater than I could have imagined. So much greater than I could have imagined. And that includes Elizabeth, that includes our kids, that includes the kind of work that I get to do. So I guess um, this is a word, a verse that came to me because of uh, what Hearts Home is, uh, has gone through this year. And so I think there's a special uh, place for this word for the 2015 for Heart, the Hearts Home movement. Uh, at January 2014 uh, had plans in the Hearts Home movement that didn't include what happened this year. Um, and we don't need to get into the details that God knows and, and those that matter know. Uh, but our plans are not God's plans. God had different purposes. But we know that in everything, God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So let's start with the we know. Uh, it's not we feel. Emotions will lead us every possible way. But it's we know. So Paul is saying in this verse a foundational Christian truth. We know. This is a foundational thing that 
uh, is required in our Christian life to not have expectations, but to have expectancy. And these are this is different. This is something we have to get right. Uh, you know, uh, I've told this story before, but it's so good uh, that I, I just keep on using it. Elizabeth and I were first married, and her birthday came up. First, ber- first birthday together, she was working, uh, her night shift, and I wanted to make her a cake. And so I had my box, I had, so my mix was ready, and I, I, uh, I didn't get the, um, the, the cheapest mix, but I got the little bit better mix, uh, and so I, I follow those instructions to the best of my ability, <laughs> to the best of my ability, I put in uh, what I had and mixed it together and put it in the oven. And it cooked 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 and uh, it never formed up. (laughs) You know, it just became this gelatinous, chocolatey mess. It just never formed up and got fluffy and nice and and I just kept on I just kept on cooking that thing bubble 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 but never forming and so eventually I just took it out and because uh, Elizabeth was coming home and uh, I, I couldn't take it out of the pan because it was <laughs> it wasn't formed it was just chocolate overcooked chocolate soup <laughs> and I and she came home and I said happy birthday dear <laughs> I made you some cake, and and she said you forgot the eggs, didn't you? <laughs> well, aren't those optional? <laughs> I'm telling you, there's some things in the Christian life that are foundational. You just can't forget eggs. You can't forget. You don't get cake if you don't put in eggs. I'm telling you. You don't put expectancy into your Christian faith. You're going to get mess. You have ex- uh, expectations and not expectancy. You're going to get a mess. Because you're going to get disappointment. You're going to get discouraged. But expectancy, you'll get a beautiful cake of faith. You know, Mary and Joseph, uh, they had plans. We're getting married. They had plans. And those plans didn't include... Mary becoming uh, pregnant before the wedding, after they had engaged with each other, but before the wedding, to have the Holy Spirit come and introduce something completely new in their life. They, that was not in their plans when they got together to decide how they're going to celebrate this wedding. We're going to have this kind of color theme, and we're going to have this kind of maid of honor, and we're going to have this kind of best man, and this is the ceremony, and how our parents are going to be involved. And God said, I have different plans for your life, your year, your uh, mission. And it took Joseph longer than Mary to say yes, but he did. He did. He did say yes. So in all of this, uh, we must remember that God intends everything for good. So we know, is the first part of that phrase, in everything. That's the next part of the phrase. We know in everything. 
So God is working all things together. And this in everything includes everything. The, the ups and the downs of, of life, uh, the joys and the sorrows of life, the, the days of laughter and the days of tears, and sometime, sometimes they both happen in the same day. Uh, in everything. Sometimes things don't go right, and we become so vulnerable, and uh, we find uh, that we can trust God when things are going well. But God is asking and requiring of us that we have to trust in Him when things aren't going well. When things aren't going well, when it feels hard to follow. Uh, Gosh, I I get uh, busy especially I find that when there's big transitions in my life, that some things, important things, start to fall apart, uh, like my prayer life and my exercise life. So when there's big transitions, uh, these things are put to the side. Uh, and I have been thinking of why that happens. So when we move or when a new job gets started or a new kid comes, another kid shows up with my last name, like, okay, <laughs> transition time, spiritual life's going to go... In the tank, and so is you know exercise, and um, I, I think these are two areas where I'm not in control, and that's why I give them up. Because when I'm in a transition, I want to be in control, and when you enter into prayer, you're not in control anymore. You're saying, God, you're in control, and that's why I avoid prayer. And I think this is true of, of exercise, because when you when you exercise, you face your limits. You face that you're not in control, that in your mind you can run faster uh, than you actually can. <laughs> you can do more push-ups than you actually can, more sit-ups than you actually can. And so it's an encountering of your limits, an encountering of, uh, encountering of your weakness. And I think uh, there's something for us to learn that God is asking everything of us to be expectant in everything. Um, when I was in college, uh, two of uh, my friends um, committed suicide. Uh, one was very hard. The other one, it had been looking really difficult for, for many years. Uh, and it's, it's bad to say it, but um, there had been attempts and finally one worked. Uh, and every kind of intervention was, was used, uh, and it was so sad, and the, the funeral was so sad. But um, there was an acknowledgement that there was something that um, hasn't been going right mentally with him for such a long time. Um, and so there was also mercy at that, that funeral. But another friend... We did not expect this. He had a um, uh, he wasn't married, but he had a long relationship. Um, they had a child who brought him a lot of joy. He had a great job. He really um, was liking uh, a lot. Uh, we wouldn't get a chance to talk to him too much, but uh, when we would connect, there'd be a lot of good news and joy. And then we found out he, he killed himself. And that was, that was a hard one. We thought he would always be there. Uh, we would thought he would always be there. 
And I think um, that's hard to include in God's plan. And there's other things that I'm sure have already come up in your mind of things that aren't included in your little box of what's in God's plan uh, or that God could use this. And I still do not know why uh, he committed suicide. I do not know why. But I trust that God is going to bring good out of it because it's, it's a promise. We know in everything something is going to work for good in this. I don't know why, and I don't think I, I will know why this life. Is, are there things in your life that don't make sense and you're pretty sure never will? Um, but God has given us a promise that in everything, he works for good. Right after Christmas on Sunday, we celebrate the Feast of the Holy Innocents. And it's one of those uh, masses where it must be hard to be a priest. Your whole congregation is full of joy at the birth of Jesus Christ, and there's presents, and there's that afterglow, and now you're going to talk about some kids dying. Uh, slaughtered. It, and usually it gets avoided. <laughs> There's a reading and then there's the real message that the priest wants to talk about. But this is included in uh, our church's wisdom to remind us that this new life is also filled with uh, the devil trying to kill this new life. And Herod was a great vehicle of death. He killed his wife, he killed his father-in-law, he killed two of his sons, he killed... Uh, so many people in the slaughter of, of the innocents. So he was a great vehicle for the devil. And we know that he's fighting us. We know that he's out there fighting us, uh, fighting God's purposes. But God's stronger than that. So God promises us through this reading, we know in everything, we know in everything God works for good. So let's talk about that. God works for good. So even when you start to get serious about your Christian life, you might still be wrong. Uh, And that's okay. God works for good. Um, Recently in November, one of the great evangelical preachers died in a tragic plane accident. He was with his family flying to uh, a Latin American um, country to give a, a a talk that there was going to be many, many, many people, um, and uh, there was a, a sad plane crash, and he and his family died November. So I've been reading about him. I didn't know too much about him. His name's uh, Miles Monroe, uh, and he's, this is a guy who's been encouraging people and um, talking about how God has a purpose for their life way before Rick Warren and the Purpose Driven Life. So he's, he's before Rick Warren and just as popular, especially um, in evangelical circles. So Miles uh, Monroe, uh, when, he was, when he was young, I read about this story. When he was young, uh, he was, uh, he's uh, from the Bahamas, but he happened to be in Oklahoma, Carrie. Yay, Oklahoma. <laughs> just wait. Okay, so he had been asked uh, to go out deep into the country, deep in the backwoods of Oklahoma, 
to do a committal service. Uh, so these are the last words that are given to somebody who, who has died. And in the evangelical church, their funeral rites are a little bit different. But still, uh, this fellow who had died had no family. And so there's going to be nobody at the, the burial. And so he was asked, Miles Monroe was asked to go preach the committal. And there's no GPS at this time. There's no cell phone. He was told, go to this road, and at this sign, turn this way, and at this sign, turn this way, and then go down this gravel road this way. So he was driving, and he didn't want to do this, but he decided to just go and trust that God would show him where this small little cemetery plot was. And he got lost. And so he looked around the landscape and he saw in the distance a small crane that was carrying a cement slab. And so he drove towards it. And there are two fellows, you know, putting this um, cement slab down into a hole. And he saw that there was uh, cement slabs already in the hole. So he assumed, okay, this is, this is where this guy is buried. So, so he starts preaching. And he preaches life, uh, life after death. He starts preaching about uh, how... Jesus Christ has been brought to life and we need to trust in this promise and this fellow is going to be raised up, going to be raised up and he's using this scripture and this scripture and, and he's so full of faith and so full as a young preacher of wanting to you know, breathe life into this, uh, into this young man uh, and maybe even have a little resurrection right, right there and so he starts working on the two um, uh, cemetery workers he starts working on them and encouraging them. And God has a purpose for your life. And this mundane task that you're doing is, is a sign of, of your faithfulness that there's a resurrection. And so he starts breathing courage into these two young men, and, or these two older men, excuse me. And, uh, and one of the workers starts crying, just crying. He's so full of courage and, and hope. And, and this fellow says, you know, for 35 years, I've been putting in septic tanks, and I ain't seen nothing like this. <laughs> so God it uses us for good, but it's often not what we think it's going to be. He was there to bring life in tragedy to somebody who had just died, and here he was working on two guys putting in a septic tank. But he gave faith to them, and, and this fellow believed and was baptized, and God used him, but not in the way that he expected. So, so you see, I think that God, uh, when we get serious about our Christian life, and we know he's going to do something big, we often start to put uh, God into a box. This is how God is going to be big this is how God is going to show up in my life, uh, in this situation. Whatever box it might be, it might be family, it might be school, it might be a job, it might be relationships, it might be a certain friendship. This is how God is going to work. But you have to understand, yes, He is going to work, and it's going to be for good. But it's a different good than we often think. Not a small G good, but the good, big G good. Gosh, I think of the lineage of, of Jesus, and it mentions four women, uh, and they all have complicated <laughs> stories behind them. Uh, Tamar, uh, so she seduced her father-in-law to get pregnant. 
there's Rahab, who's a prostitute, who, who helps the, the Jews uh, get into the Holy Land, helps Joshua. Uh, but she's a prostitute. She's um, not somebody who would normally be thought to be in the lineage of Jesus. Because Abraham is there. Uh, but so is Rahab. Uh, Ruth is there. Uh, she's not Jewish, and she broke the law and married a Jewish guy. Uh, and then, of course, there's Bathsheba, who's not mentioned by name, just the wife of Uriah. Because it wants to emphasize in that lineage that, oh yeah, she's the one that committed adultery, and because of that, her husband ended up getting murdered. Uh, so here are four women who are in the, the lineage of Jesus uh, that have bad aspects to their lives. And this happens with the other fellows that are in that lineage too, Abraham and David. Uh, Abraham, wonderful, amazing person of faith who also uh, tried to portray his wife as his sister so that he wouldn't get murdered by the clan that was coming up to him. Because Sarah was hot, and so Abraham was good, thought he was going to be killed. And so he said, this is my sister, you can sleep with her. Because if it's his wife, he's going to get killed. So he does that once, yes, he also does that twice. Twice. Sarah stayed with him, I don't know why. <laughs> uh, David, of course, um, David, of course, is in the lineage of Jesus. And he commits adultery and he murders. But you see, so much has come into the world because of Abraham and David, because of this lineage. Jesus has come. So you see, we might not be able to understand immediately what's happening, but God works for good in everything. And we know this. And this is another important phrase, with those who love him. So you got this? You're following me? With We know in everything God works for good with those who love him, with those who love him. Uh, I want to remind you uh, that you've made a choice in your life. You didn't have to follow Jesus. You didn't have to follow him. Uh, so maybe you were baptized against your will as a little baby, but when you became relatively an adult, a person of reason, you were confirmed. And you continue now to, to live your life in Christ. You don't have to follow Jesus. You didn't have to love him. You didn't have to have this spouse, this friend, this job, this life, this way of faith. You, didn't, you don't have to receive the Eucharist. You don't have to receive confession. You don't have to receive holy orders or, or marriage vows or, or a life of consecration. You didn't have to do this, but you chose it. You chose it. Uh, you've already chosen to love him. You've already chosen to love Jesus. You see, in the Christian life, we've already said yes to Jesus, and he's already using us. But we want to put him into a box. We, we want to say, this is how you're going to show love through me, to these people and not to these people. This is how I'm going to forgive people with these problems they have in life, but not with these other problems. You know, God is asking us to forgive people everything. God is asking us not to love some people, but all people. 
and all aspects of their life, we have to show love and we have to show encouragement for them, especially when they're harmed. But we've already made the choice. I, I think that um, uh, Jesus was so wise to have the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 before he taught them about what the Eucharist is. You know, so at the feeding of the 5,000, really there was 15,000 probably there with all their families. And, and that's when it's great to be a disciple. When Jesus is just throwing out food and fish. And like, I'm with you, Jesus. Oh, you're feeding us through miracles. This is great. And, and I think these disciples, these 15,000 were staying with him when there was people getting healed. You know, there's somebody who's blind who's now seeing, and there's somebody who's lame who's now walking. Oh, Jesus, come on. And then he starts saying that unless you eat my flesh, you will not have eternal life. And a whole bunch of people leave. Because these are Jews he's speaking to. And this is really not part of their interpretation of the law. This is not a part of anybody's comfort zone that, wait, we have to eat your flesh, Jesus, in order to have eternal life? Like, can you just go heal somebody, please? I mean, if he had a PR firm, they'd be telling him, like, Jesus, go feed some more people. Like, stop talking about how you need to feed them with your flesh. Because we're losing people. And we're losing people by the drug. So the 12 remain. The 12 apostles are the only ones, and they're like, Jesus, we're with you, but this is starting to freak me out. You're asking me to eat your flesh. And they had no idea what he meant, but they said, okay, we trust you. We trust you. We trust you. We know in everything, God works for good for those who love him. And he wants to show us love by giving us his, his flesh, his life, his uh, his love but that also means uh, he's going to make us like him and that means every aspect of of him Uh, the verse right after this in 829 is making the case that his purposes the good that he's going to be using is to form us into Christ So the reason he's working in everything is to form us into him. And so that means Jesus is dying and is rising. It means his sorrow and his joy. It means Jesus is being accepted by the crowds and also the being rejected by the crowds. It means his being sent and it means his being taken back. It means his descent and his ascent. You have to hear me on this. Those who love him will die because he is going to produce fruit. Because he says, this is Jesus' words, this is not somebody else's words. Unless a grain of wheat dies, it produces no fruit. Unless a grain of wheat dies, it produces no fruit. So when it says that those who love him, those who are following him, that, that means something's dying in us so that fruit can be born in our lives. So listen, we know in everything God works for good for those who love him who are called according to his purposes. So this is the last part of the phrase. Who are called according to 
wait a second, it doesn't say my purposes. It says his purposes. Uh, you know, there's uh, you know, certain aspects of my life that are, that are great and certain aspects that uh, I'm in a journey and I'm being worked on. And recently, one aspect that God was working on me, he kept on saying the word Ezekiel to me. Ezekiel. And I just thought about this. Okay, God is asking me to read the book of Ezekiel. Like, have you read the book of Ezekiel? Wheels and lines and fire and four living creatures and the dead bones coming back to new life. That's nice, but then it goes back to the wheel and the line and the four living creatures. I don't get Ezekiel. It's a hard one to get. And God was saying, Ezekiel. I'm like, well, God, could you give me something else? Could you give me something else? I start reading Ezekiel. I'm like, okay, here's the four living creatures. And I, I knew they would be there. And there's that wheel moving around. Okay, what are you trying to speak? And then I realized Ezekiel means God strengthens. He wasn't saying read the book of Ezekiel to me. He was saying, Ezekiel, God strengthens. God strengthens. So we are called according to his purposes, and that means he's going to show up with his strength. It's not going to be my weakness that's going to get me through. It's going to be his strength that gets me through. In John, Jesus says, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but you will understand later. And that might, that now is full of why, that now might be full of sorrow, that now might be full of disappointment. But he's going to reveal to us later what it was all about. And maybe that's next year, Maybe that's next life. He doesn't say when that later is, but he is going to make us understand. You know, in in prayer, there's three answers that God gives. And so when we enter into prayer and we pray certain things, God can say yes, and God can say no, and God can say later. And you know, when we have somebody who's dying and we're praying for life, we're breathing life into them. We're breathing encouragement into them. And they continue to die and they continue to um, be taken by a disease. We're praying that God has a miracle in their lives. And I don't think God's saying no to that. I think God, if they do die and no miracle does happen, what he's saying is later. The miracle's going to happen later. This person who's dying will be resurrected, will be resurrected to new life. So God answers that prayer and does say, there's going to be life here. My life is going to be here. It's going to be later. So trust in me. You don't understand now what I'm doing, but you will understand later. We're called not to our purposes, but to his purposes. Earlier in uh, Romans, it's in verse 18 of that chapter 8. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Now, my daughter, when she was uh, six and she started first grade, adding 
was hard. Adding was hard, especially if you got more than 10. If you put in something more than 10, there's no more fingers, and she needs to start borrowing other people's fingers because she's wearing shoes, so she can't do her toes. It starts to get hard, and she, starts to get, she started to get frustrated, this first grader. Well, now she's in fifth grade, and she can add and add and add and add and add, and it's no problem. And she's now talking to her sister, uh, who's a first grader, now, don't worry, you're going to get through this. <laughs> you see, when you have some sufferings, it feels really hard, but you've got to realize that that's going to provide encouragement to somebody else. That's going to provide encouragement to somebody else because they're going to see you made it through. You know what? I uh, started talking about this. I had uh, all of a sudden become unemployed by my choice and then unloved by somebody else's choice. I went through a lot of suffering. And then when I entered graduate school and a friend of mine uh, had fallen in love with somebody who did not love him and loved somebody else, uh, he struggled with that mourning. He loved her. Why didn't she love him back? And we went uh, camping. Just the two of us, you know? And we went camping and there's something about being outside and being in nature and being around a fire that gets some perspective on one's life. And he was going at, at me like, Matt, I just don't get it. I love her. I write poems for her. And she doesn't love me back. She loves some other guy. My friend even. And so I'm around her all the time. And she doesn't love me back. And she, why? And I, and I spoke to him about my story of somebody making a choice not to love me back. But God had a purpose for me, a different purpose, a different person. And I know he's going to have a different person in your life. But now it's like you're living in a piece of a big pile of crap, a big pile of dung. And it feels horrible, and you're just going to have to sit in this for a little time. But you know it's going to provide courage to somebody else. And guess what? He's in love with somebody else. Uh, there's another person in his life. He's now a priest, and he's now sharing Jesus with others. He was, he was called to, to ministry, and he was saying no to that. And he was trying to use this person uh, to get him out of becoming a priest. And now he, he's a happy priest. He's one of those happy priests that, are, that is saving people. God is using him. So let's go back to that phrase again. We know that in everything God works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And I just a few practical advice, and then we'll wrap this up. I know we, we're struggling on time. But I, I, first of all, want you to take expectancy into this retreat, that in everything, whatever God is going to reveal to you and work on in you, uh, it's going to be for good. It's going to be for good. Whatever it might be, God's going to work for good in this retreat in some area of your life. I don't know what it is, but God, is, God knows what it is, and he's going to work on us. And I think for, for some of us, there, there might be some, some sorrow, some difficulty, some uh, mystery, some plan that has, has fallen apart. And I, and I think it's important for us to have some practical advice when we're, we're facing something that 
is not making sense. And there's a few things that go along with expectancy. Number one, don't be bitter. Don't be bitter. When it doesn't go according to your plans, one possible reaction is to become bitter. That might mean at God, that might mean at others. When your plans don't come through, don't be bitter. Be expectant. And number two, refuse to blame. Refuse to blame. Uh, who am I going to trust to, to judge about this situation, this plan that was upset? Uh, myself or God? Because God's going to judge everything, but with his mercy and with his love. He's going to bring everything to its perfect completion, a better good than we could possibly imagine. And so if there's somebody in your life that uh, you are struggling to, to forgive, refuse to blame and let God be God. Let God be God. Number three, refuse to gossip. So build up and don't tear down. God says to us through, through Jesus, we do not judge, we encourage. We encourage. We encourage. Do you have anybody in your life that encourages you? That when you go into their friendship, you're going to feel better and you just know it? Because they're an encourager. And they have lots of friends. Encouragers have lots of friends. Because people want to feed off of that courage because there's so little in our world that gives us courage. And so don't we want to be leaders of courage? To others, when they have an interaction with us, don't we want to encourage them? They're not coming to us for gossip. They're coming to us for courage. And so let's share that with them. And then number four, show grace to all involved, especially if they're a leader. Give them grace. Give them a benefit of a doubt. So if there's some leader in your life that has disappointed you, uh, give them some grace or if it's a spouse, or if it's somebody close to you, uh, give them some grace. Uh, St. Catherine Drexel, let alone the things that do not concern us. <laughs> this is the word to me. Let alone the things that do not concern us. <laughs> Show grace. It was for me. Show grace to all involved. Mind your own business. <laughs> when, you, when you're running a race, uh, you're running track, you got to stay in your lane, and you got to keep your eyes ahead, not on the other guy. you got to stay in your lane and keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And so that's the next one. Uh, what are we up to? Number five, keep your eyes on Jesus. Uh, Corey Ten Boom, a popular Christian writer uh, of a generation ago, she said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. Oh, <laughs> if, I'll say it again then. If you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. If you look at God, you'll be at rest. So when plans fall through, look at God and you'll be at rest because God's going to show up. God's going to strengthen. God's going to speak to your heart what he needs to speak. He's going to speak wisdom. 
Next, be grateful for the good. Remember in that verse it says, in everything God works for good. In everything God works for good. So be grateful for the good. Uh, now we're up to seven. Remember with Christ. Part of, part of being expectant is having a good memory. Part of being expectant is remembering that God has been involved in our lives. Uh, not brooding. That's not what I'm talking about with memory here. Uh, it, it means finding God in that event, finding God in that relationship in the past. Where were you? Help me to see. And I think there are some practical things for us to learn that. I think we need to read scripture to come to see how God has used others. We need to have awareness of what feast it is because that helps us as a church to remember God's faithfulness. I think it's important for us to keep a journal of our prayers so that when God answers those prayers, we can see that he has been faithful. I pray and then I forget. And I wonder if that's the right idea. I think I need to pray and God remembers it, so why shouldn't I remember it? So when God does show up, when God does bring healing, I can look back and say, yes, you were there. You did say yes. And so then I also think to be a person of courage to others, uh, to remember with Christ, we need to have a good story of God's faithfulness in our life that we're always ready to share with somebody. So uh, I teach this to my kids. Always have a story that you can tell to somebody. Always have a story that you can tell to somebody that can give them hope. Whatever it might be. Have a story ready that's just always there. Now, uh, number eight, this is specifically the Hearts Home uh, movement and what they've gone through in this year. This is the word that came to me. I, I want to say to you, you are a place of hope. And people will continue to come to you to receive hope, to receive expectancy. They're not going to go away. They're going to come by even more, um, with even more numbers and even more thirst they're going to want hope from you. No matter what you've gone through this year, you're going to be used for encouraging. And I also want to say that it's good of you to lead in this time when you're weak. When you're weak, as, uh, God's still asking you to lead, to lead, to bring hope, to bring expectancy. Because you see, you're not in control. God is. God is in control of this next year and what he wants to do through Hearts Home. He's about to grow hope in your movement to another level that you've never uh, could imagined. And then uh, number nine, you still following with me? Worship in the fire. When it's hot in your life, God's still asking you to worship him. Three young men are thrown into the furnace in the book of Daniel, and their cry in that furnace is, in God, help us. Their cry is, praise be God for the birds. Do you know this prayer? Praise be God for the sky. Praise be God for the wind. Praise be God for light. Praise be God for his creatures, both small and great. So these three young men enter and are thrown into the fire and they start worshiping God. Because there's a promise in a psalm, 49, 
With the harp, I will solve my problem. With the harp, I will solve my problem. With my worship to God, I will solve my problem. And I don't know if you've had this. I know I've had this. A problem that seemed really difficult was healed by entering into prayer. Nothing changed physically in the world, but my attitude was changed by God. In my worshiping God, my problems can be solved because I start to see things from God's perspective that in everything, God works for good. And that solves a whole lot of problems if you have that perspective. And last but not least, step out in expectancy. Step out in expectancy. Jesus is requiring us to step out, not when it's comfortable, not when it's convenient, but when it's needed. When it's needed. To step out and offer hope. To step out and offer expectancy. Where there's darkness, we're supposed to speak light. Where there's death, we're supposed to speak life. Where there's discouragement, we're supposed to speak courage. You know, uh, I'll tell one last story, um, and then uh, we have to leave, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's a short story. Uh, when I was in college, maybe a senior in college, uh, at Mass, our church was kind of a parish church. It was on campus, but a whole lot of people from the community came. And uh, we had a good preacher, so a lot of people came. And so I was in pew just being uh, filled up by uh, the priest who was speaking about the, the hands of those who've died. Those that have died in our lives, can you remember their hands? What did they look like? Where were the wrinkles? And this woman next to me started to bawl, started to cry. Tears were just streaming out as she was imagining somebody in her life who had died and their hands and what. And so she <laughs> didn't have any tissues. She didn't, have, she didn't come prepared to have God open tears in her life. Uh, and so I reached out to her and just put my hand on her shoulder uh, and and just comforted her through that sermon. And then at the end of the Mass, I just said, God's going to bring life to you and to this situation. That was the word God wanted me to speak. God's going to bring life to you in this situation. And I wanted to get out there as soon as possible because it was really awkward to all of a sudden say that uh, to somebody. I never felt that uh, the need to do it, and this felt really clear. Jesus was asking me to reach out, to step out, and offer this word of encouragement. Three years later, I was at a men's conference, uh, and the men were praising Jesus, and it was lovely and amazing, and I, I loved it. And then there's this part of this men's conference where they honor each other. Open mic, honor each other. And one man gets up. I'd like to thank Matthew Sutton. I have no idea who this guy is. I have no idea who this guy is. I'd like to thank Matthew Sutton, because he reached out to my wife, who had recently lost her father. And I just want to thank you, Did Matthew. You were there? Yes. <laughs> but he didn't introduce himself to me until that moment. And I thought, God, you answered that woman's prayer through me, and I, I didn't know it. Because you have to see that we're an answer to somebody's prayer. We're an answer to somebody's prayer. But we have to step out in expectancy that God's going to use us. So again, we know that in everything, God works for good 
with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So let's just enter into prayer and then we'll transition to the next part. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. My prayer, my hope, God sets a fire in your heart to want more of him in your heart. More of him that you cannot contain, that you cannot control. So turn, Lord, our expectations into expectancy. Because we, we matter to you. You sent your son for us. We worship you and we receive you. And so work in us, Lord. Be enthroned in our hearts, Lord. You're in control here. You're in control. And I surrender to you. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to me, Dr. Matthew Sutton, on the Cat's Pajamas of Podcast. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at Dr. Sutton. That's spelled out, Dr. Sutton. And on Instagram, I'm at Samurai Moses. My website, and you should go to this. You'll find everything you need there. DrSutton.net. D-O-C-T-O-R-S-U-T-T-O-N.net. N-E-T. Cheers and make some beauty for Jesus Christ.